Grant Cardone is predicting the biggest crash ever. Point. It's gonna. It's something's gonna happen. Is there going to be a real estate crash in 2024? Absolutely not. Same. But I have a bet with some of my friends uh-uh. that I expect a correction at some point, a significant uh-huh. correction, but I don't think it's going to happen next year. Okay. When do you think it's going to happen? I don't have a timeline. I really don't. I don't know. But not next year? Not next year, no. Okay. Adam? Uh, I, I don't think it's going to crash, no. I mean, everybody that's saying that it's going to crash now also said it was going to crash in 2020, in mm-hmm. 2021, in 2022, in 2023. And down. so they keep saying it's going to crash, but... But at some point, there's going to be a correction. Look at the stock market. Look at everything. It always goes up. It comes down. It corrects. It always has some type of... But I think part of it not crashing was artificial inflation. I mean, artificial propping up of the real estate market in 2020 up to now. And that's what prevented it from crashing. Otherwise, we may have had a crash. We may have had a a correction. Do you know the difference between a correction and a crash? Yes. A crash is when you hit something. A correction is when you almost hit it and you move around it. Do you know the proper definition? Not specifically, no. One's bigger than the other. So 20% is a crash. Anything over 20%, anything 10% and over, like, up to 20% is a correction. Hmm. Okay. And below 10% is just normal. It's just normal. Oh, that's cool. So I'm betting on 30%. 30%. Really? Oh, so you're at going some crash. point. Crash. At okay. some point. Not in the near future, but at some at point. At some yeah. point before yeah. we die. Yeah. Well, well I mean, it can't be that I far mean, out. But part of the reason is what Adam said that it should, we, everyone has been expecting it for the past five years. Why hasn't it happened? Because is this of COVID. For both and commercial? Commercial's already mm. taken that hit in a lot of places. Is it? Yeah. Really? Significantly. It's, yeah. All these office buildings? Depends what it is, but yes. Yeah. yeah. And interest rates, dropping values for commercial. That's already happened. Residential is different, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think residential will take more time. It's tied to the labor market, the job market. We haven't seen that yet. So I don't have a timeline on it, but I feel comfortable saying 30%. If I'm right, okay. we'll, we'll re- review this podcast again. I like to look at 2024 20, as the year of opportunities. So yeah. I do think there's going to be a lot of opportunities in the commercial market. Residential, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel that that's there yet. I think that's <laughs> going to come the next year. So. Well, the interest rates <clears throat> excuse me, are going to be dropping. They already have. Yeah. They've dropped a percent, a percent and but change. They said they're going to do three more drops or three more cuts in the next year. You don't think that's going to boost things up, help people get back in I there? think it'll stabilize things. I don't think it's going to drive the prices back up, and especially on the residential side of things. I don't think it's... So I think right now we're seeing prices kind of leveling off, maybe dropping a tiny bit, but they're not they're not dropping 30% or anything close to that. And you still have tons of people bidding on the same house. There's no inventory. I've, yeah. I've lost houses recently. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, there's no inventory. But what I think is going to happen is I think the interest rates are going to come down. So right now, let's say they're at maybe six and a half or so for a a conventional regular loan. So let's say they drop another point or two, whatever it is. Then you're going to see people that have these three, three and a half, three and a quarter percent interest rates. And you're going to see them start selling their homes Mm -hmm. because they're going to say, all right, whatever. It's a half a point. I want to move to a bigger house. I don't care. But right now, like I I have a great interest rate. I'm not selling my house anytime soon. I'm told the interest rates come back down because otherwise I'm going to spend more money for the same thing that I have now. But at some point, when you grow out of your house, you're going to be forced to make that decision and you're going to give up the fact that you have this great interest rate. Or I'm going to hold it and rent it. That, that, I mean, unless but then inter- you'll still buy a new house. Probably not. I'll, Probably not rent it because it's your primary home. You'll want to sell it. Tax-free gains. But I can always borrow that money against it. That's right. So mm. Why would I sell it? If I have a 2.5%, 2.75% interest rate, why would I sell it? It's free money. Almost. Because you'll borrow 70% of it. You may want the 30% remainder. Just... 
if you're just trying to really level up to that two million dollar house, you mm-hmm. may need that thirty percent. Yes. Yeah. I may. I may. But I, as of now, so as of now, we've looked into it. Like, you know, my my wife wants to look into bigger houses. You know, the family's growing and everything, and she wants to look into other other properties. But I'm going to find. Uh, the exact same house that I'm in now, same size, same, you know, same square footage, same property, but it's going to cost me an extra $2,000 a month for the uh, same thing that I have now. So it's not worth it. I, that's what I say. She's like, well, we can get a lot of money for our house, but on the other side of things, we're going to spend a lot more per month. So is it, it's, it's really not yeah. beneficial in any way. So until the interest rates come back down to a, like a similar playing field mm-hmm. right now, there's, there's still double what I'm paying. Cool. So then the question is, do the rates come down first? Or does your wife get aggravated enough where she wants to move first? And I think a lot of people are going to have that feeling because yeah. I think that people can tough it out for one or two years, not wanting to move for an interest rate purpose. But I think at some point that itch is going to come out and people are just going to say, screw it and do it. Yeah. Well, so. right now, the housing affordability index. So it's the index where um, 100 means that you can afford like the people can afford mm-hmm. their houses, basically, they with their down, they can afford their houses. That's 100. In 2006, it was at 107. Now it's at 91. So it's basically going down. People can't afford the mortgages. Which is good for rental properties. Correct. Yes. I actually heard that's why the rents are going up. It's the least, it's not the least time, but it's the most difficult time in history to afford a home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that housing affordability index, yeah, it's it's the toughest time running to buy a house. That's why you're going to buy value-add properties. Mm-hmm. Get something that nobody else wants, fix it up, and make it your home. So, like, a crash in 2024 would include commercial. It would include um, investing. What do you guys think is going to happen in that realm? Take it out of residential. What's going to happen in the world of investing? Well, as Omar indicated earlier, higher interest rates make it uh, more difficult um, to sell for higher prices. Mm-hmm. So the the rental income, unless that's rising at the same time, which it's not because a lot of the office market, for instance, mm. there, there's not a lot of, of tenants out there due to work from home. So the office market prices are falling, the interest rates yeah. are, are rising, and therefore the value of the office product is falling. So it's a great time to buy office buildings. Yeah. No, if but you, what if are you going to do with them? If re- no one go, ever goes to back to the them. office. Convert them into that house you couldn't find. There <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. you go. Um, and I think commercial in general is, the market significantly slowed down just because it's so closely tied to interest rates, right? So once interest rates rise, commercial values drop right off, right off the bat because it's tied to interest rates and the cash flow. People are getting tighter with their numbers. Definitely yeah. 100%. And there are less transactions happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, sometimes with business, you have to sell, you have to sell, yeah. you have to buy, you have to buy. So there's still activity there, but it's definitely not what it was. It's not, yeah. Yeah. So you said that it already crashed, though. Do you think it's gone the lowest it's going to no, go? No, absolutely not. It, no, it depends on the rates. I don't think it's gotten the lowest. Um, if the rates start coming down again, I, I think that's going to be but, but help. So it depends on in sectors as well, right? Because past few years, the multifamily syndication industry is blown up. Why? Mm-hmm. Because interest rates have been like 3%. So mm-hmm. all they've been doing is buying existing properties, refinancing them yes. under 3% and making a boatload of money. All those people have arms that are resetting in five years. And if they don't get the right rate in those five years, they're losing these properties. That's happening across they the world. They could lose the properties. A lot of the banks are not going to want them to lose their properties. So yeah. the banks will help, I'm sure, modify and, and try to make it work. But yeah, that could happen. So. 
But what you're saying, or what I'm hearing, mm -hmm. is that in 2025, 2026, maybe 2027, a lot of people are going to be losing their multifamily properties. So if you're a person who's just getting into investing, maybe you should be saving up for that time to swoop out from underneath them? Uh, I, I don't think this is an individual investor's game. Mm -hmm. What I mean is the bigger properties. The bigger properties. Okay. I don't think they'll lose them. They'll be bought up by someone else who has more money. That, mar it. that market's always going to be there. But it's a real issue with commercial right now because as soon as rates jumped up, these people couldn't refinance. And they didn't underwrite these properly because they didn't anticipate that they should have, but they didn't. And because of that, if the property doesn't cash flow, they're out of luck. Yeah. It's all based on the tenancies and, yeah. and the rents. You're just talking about arms, though, adjustable rate mortgages. But most of those are arms. Yeah. yeah. On yeah. the commercial end. Yes. Because in the residential world, I would say 10% of the loans, if not less than I've done, of the yeah. deals that I've done are arms. People are still doing arms in, in I, residential? Not much. Not Like I said, not as much. Just a, a few percent of my deals. It depends on the product that the bank offers and how badly the person wants to get into the house and yeah. what the rules are with the, the debt coverage ratios. I just feel as though people should have learned from 2006, it's not about 2007. It's not about learning. Sometimes you can't you yeah. can't get the rate that you need with a 30-year fixed product and you can't qualify for the house with a 30-year fixed product. So that bank only offers the product that will get you into that property with, mm -hmm. with, a, with an arm. And, and you're betting on the yeah. fact that hopefully interest rates come back down before your arm is up, before the five-year okay. arm, seven-year mm -hmm. arm, whenever the time yeah. period is. Yep. If not, you might be in trouble. But once again, on the residential side, I'm not seeing a lot of arms. Yeah. And if you, yeah. Keep, if you keep a good payment track record and you work with smaller local banks, usually they work with you. You know, it's the big, the big banks that I feel don't, don't help out as much. Yeah. But yeah. Adjustable rate mortgage is what an arm is. Yep. So, so what does that mean? So essentially, you're gonna have the um, you're gonna have a set rate for five years, seven years, whatever that first number is. So it's gonna say an arm something slash something, mm -hmm. whatever that first number is, and then it's gonna go with the market a little bit. Right. And, but and I think there's a if I'm not mistaken, I think there's a cap on how much it can go up. It doesn't. I think that there's different programs for different banks. Yeah. You know, obviously residential is more regulated than some of the commercial loans are, but yeah. It's all it's all there and it's all set in stone before you take the loan. So what you're saying is for five years, I'm going to have one interest rate. And then at the end of that five years, it adjusts to whatever is current. So if five years ago I had an arm. It's a predetermined adjustment. Oh, it's a predetermined adjustment. Right. So, but okay. it's based off of, let's say, the five-year treasury or it's based Got off it. of some, okay. some um, type of, of rate. And then they're adding points to that rate. Understood. So hold on. When you say predetermined, the time time frame is predetermined. The yeah, time frame the, the is predetermined. The, rate is not. the rate's not, but the oh, increase no. okay. is. The rate is based off of what's going on yeah. in but the, the current market. the increase is predetermined. <laughs> the, How so? How so? The time period, not, not the, the amount. Period. So, so the commercial loans, they say to you, you're going to pay 200 basis points over whatever the five-year treasury is at that point. So that 200 base, the, the 200 basis points, let's say, is pre-negotiated at, at the onset of your loan. That is, but yeah. we don't know what the five-year treasury is. Correct, 100%. Right. Okay. But the increase is is predetermined based on that that number. So it's not like they're both random. One of them is going to be fixed, and one and of one them is will be random. random. Yeah. Got yeah. it? Yes, I do. It doesn't sound fun. It's, it's, it's only, if, only if the interest rates have gone so down. So most people, when they do commercial loans, they don't, always, they don't always negotiate both parts of it. So what I learned early on mm -hmm. is... Some loans, some banks are going to give you this really great rate now, but when it's an adjust, when the adjustment comes, they're going to try to charge you three three hundred fifty basis points 
over whatever um, factor they're using. That's negotiable. Okay. So I always try to negotiate down as low as possible. No, er <laughs> everybody knows that. What's a basis point? What's a basis point? It sounds real fancy. It does sound fancy. It's really easy if you think about it. Yeah, it is. I don't. What is it? Three hundred and fifty basis points. That sounds like a lot too. What is it? It sounds like a lot, but a hundred basis point is one percent. Oh, it's one point. So it's three percent. Three point five percent. So if the five-year treasury is five percent, and then it's two hundred basis points, it's now seven percent. Okay, but the thing is, back in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, if I got a two, a three percent. Um, right. Rate, right? And then now it's up to 7%. Mm -hmm. And this is where my arm comes in. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have 2% over the 7%. You could. You could have a very large increase. Right. right. That's right. huge. Yeah. Right. And you may not be able to afford the property anymore. Correct. Right. But which, at which times when interest rates were 3%, you obviously would have been silly to take out an arm at that point. Just Correct. lock it in a 30-year okay. and be done with it. But now that rates are higher when they're 7 8%, that's now where people take advantage of it. Now you might want to do it. Okay, now and I understand. And some of the loans may cap what the rate could be. Okay, that's So smart. there could be a cap in there. So even though it would increase to 7 there could be a cap at 5%. It just depends on the loan. Okay. But you could be in for a very rough time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or an interesting time. You may have to get uh, a second job. Interest, <laughs> interest, interest. Get some roommates. An interesting time with some roommates. So, uh, Grant Cardone is predicting the biggest crash ever to ever come on. When did he? What when year? did he last when? predict a crash? Oh, he's had a bunch of predictions. Okay, and back, have any of them come true? Back in 2020, it was supposed to. I think he predicted crash. he was going to make a lot of money. Which he, was, did. Which, well, he did. which he did. Which he did. It was supposed to crash in 2020. In February of 2022, he said it was going to crash by that June. Mm -hmm. And now he's saying it's going to crash again. Did he tell so you he, when? He's the, he he's the boy who he, cried wolf. He's the boy who cried wolf. Yep. Or cried crash. I, I, I mean, I, I at some point, it's gonna, it's, something's going to happen. But is it next? Nobody really knows. I mean, if, if you here's my take on it. If you knew what the market was really going to do and how to predict the market, you would have made right. a ton of money in the last three years. You would have bought everything in 2020 when mm -hmm. everybody was worried at the very beginning of COVID. You would have bought everything. And you would be worth a ton right now. True. But most people didn't. Most people, you, like I, personally, I thought the market was going to crash too. I didn't. I had no idea. We've never. Grand Cardone. Mm -hmm. I know. I actually um, had a situation where I had some partners, and one of my partners panicked, and right during COVID, and he was like, "Get me out of everything," and he sold everything that he had for twenty five percent of what the value was, and there was one opportunity that I was a partner in, and I picked up his his shares for twenty five percent of what he paid for it. So I'm very. Has happy he come back to you and said, "I want it back." It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I took the risk. I didn't know what was yeah. going to happen. Yeah. COVID could have killed everything. I had no idea, but I took the risk. I did it, and I deserve that reward, right? Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Got to be in it to win it. You got to try. You got to take risks. Mm -hmm. If you don't take risks, there's no, no risk, reward. No reward. Yep. So, Adam, since since you are an aggressive $1.8 billion residential agent, Tell, tell me, if I was a first-time home buyer and I really needed to go out there next year and buy a home, what advice would you give me? How would you make it happen with all these scenarios of the rates going up and down and the prices so high and the hundreds of offers per house? What would you do? Well, first of all, you, you work with somebody that's going to be aggressive on your part, that knows what they're doing and knows how to negotiate on your behalf. Because um, it's not always dollars and cents. There's other things that go into getting an accepted offer. But on top of that, don't don't first of all don't overextend yourself 
So you know interest rates right now, let's say they're 6.5% as of right around, you know, um, right now. So 6.5%. So just know that you can afford that monthly payment. Don't say, I really love this house. I really need it. I need it. I need it. And like I said, spend more than you're comfortable with because when when, when, when stuff happens, you got to be, you, you just got to be able to afford where you're mm-hmm. living. Um, and the other thing is don't get emotional. I know there's a lot of emotions in buying a house because you're going to raise your family there and, and all of this, but don't get emotional. Find a house that you absolutely love that checks off all, if, if not all, most of the boxes that you're looking for. You might have to, you know, do a little bit of, uh, um, you might have to give up a few of your, 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 you know, must haves, if you will, but find a house that you love and just go for it. That's really it. But find somebody that's going to really be on your team and knows the market where you're buying. So, so how do I compete with 10 other offers on the same house? We did it. You did it. Yeah. yeah. We, we did it with, with Noel. It, I wrote a love letter. It was beautiful. I was like, I'm going to right and showed the boys. I was like, where are my children are going to go to the middle school. And it's so exciting. I talked about how we were going to get married on the property and she bought it. I mean, it did happen. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the con. It no, was real. It wasn't Insert a con. wedding pictures here. Right. <laughs> but I mean, she. Did you find that on the internet? Like how to write a love letter? Well, or did no. I, teach I, I just knew. I mean, I guess I had seen different ways right. to get offers accepted, and I just really worked on that letter, and it worked with her because we weren't the highest. You and were we not weren't the, the only. Right. I, I wasn't even the highest when I bought my house. I know right. it was a different market. It was twenty. Uh, did you do a love letter too? I did. Yeah. Ooh. And. They, they liked us. They saw a little bit of themselves in us. There's a bunch of ways. It's not just about the money, right, in the end of the day. It's about the relationship, getting the sellers and the buyers on the same page, right. working with the other agent. So as a buyer's agent, my job, if I'm representing you on the buying side, is to build that relationship with the other agent so they want to work with me. So now when, when um, Noelle bought her house, you were her, her agent at the right. time. Right. Did He's you, not my husband. Right. He's my agent. Did you advise... <laughs> Did you advise Noelle to do the love letter or did um, Noelle kind of figure it out on her own? I think I advised you, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think, yeah. We, you know, I was like, well, what about a love letter? And he was like, that's a good idea. And, you know, he sort of walked me through it. It, it. depends on the type of house yeah. you're buying, though. If you're buying a foreclosure, the bank's going to take right. that love letter and throw it in the trash. Right. Like, right. you have to, it, it, it's somebody that's lived there for a while that loves the house, and not everybody's going to accept it. Not everybody's going to look at it. And it doesn't work every time because no. there was another house that we looked at, and I wrote the love letter, and they didn't care. Well, maybe they didn't sense the love in your letter. Maybe not. But the person who I ha- who we did get the house from, uh, they had had weddings and bar mitzvahs Ooh. and engagement parties mm-hmm. on property. So that meant a lot to them. Got it. And, and, and so, like, I have a client. We're under contract right now on a house asking uh, 2.4. And my clients originally came to me and said, we want to offer 2.2 on the house. And I said, just just back off a sec. Let me just do my, you know, work my magic and do my job. I had a conversation with the other agent and I told my clients, offer 2.15. Worst case, we'll get a counter offer. They accepted the offer at 2.15. Nice. So now my clients have 50,000, and it was a cash deal too. So they have $50,000 cash to, to take me to on a trip. To buy you a gift. Exactly, to take me <laughs> nice. on vacation. But So that's the, the benefit of working with an experienced mm-hmm. buyer's agent is like I know the conversation to have, I know how to negotiate on your behalf to get you the best deal possible. That's what I'm here for. That's all I'm here for, 100%, mm-hmm. is just make you happy. So so doesn't that tie back into the whole uh, lawsuit thing where if you had your yeah. own buyer's rep, 
then you know people could specialize in that. You hire them separately, and look, you just saved fifty thousand dollars for somebody. But, but they're not going to see it. Exactly, people yeah. are short sighted. They're not going to yeah. see the benefit to it. They're going to say, mm-hmm. "Wow, I could save twenty thousand dollars, whatever the number is." By going on Trulia or Zillow myself, but it doesn't work like that. I, and once again, it's I, I'm still I'm, I still hold the belief that everything is all bundled into this price. So if somebody wants nine hundred thousand, they want to mm-hmm. net nine hundred thousand. That's what the magic number is to make them move. So then you take the commissions, you take the fees and the taxes and the attorney's fees and all that stuff, and you add it in. Okay. So that's that's where that number comes from. It's not a number we pull out of thin air. Okay. And that's what their seller's agent is doing with them. Exactly. They're making sure that that number bundles in like, everything. And that's what that's a lot of people say. My client wants to net X amount. Mm-hmm. So so obviously we just talked about the love letter on how to how to do that. So now let's say we can't find a house, right? So so Omar, you've had a ton of experience. In mm-hmm. finding stuff mm. that's not for sale and, and wholesaling, sure. like, what advice would you give to somebody who desperately wanted a house, mm. didn't have a house to write a love letter for? How mm. how, how would you get that house for them? I would tell them to wait it out <laughs> <laughs> because the crash is coming. Not so much the crash, but you have to be. The market right now is what it is, and there's a lot of people that it's not a good time for them to buy. Um, I could suggest things like go door knocking, ask your neighbors, cool. send out letters mm-hmm. to no- local places where you may be interested in living. Um, but a realtor should be the one typically doing that. Okay. Um, so, so the best thing for someone who's... What should that realtor be doing? What, so should listening, Adam be, what should Adam do to get you a house? Take you door to door, ask the seller if they want to sell. Wait, wait, not take the buyer. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The buyer no. What, what, what a typical like agent... Like the crying baby? Or like <laughs> the, the, no. This so, baby needs a home. Yeah. So what, um, what a lot of realtors do, and buyers can do this themselves, is figure out which areas they want to live in mm-hmm. and start soliciting off-market property. Send them letters and say, I'm looking in this area. Are you interested in selling? So that's a great tactic to find people who may be interested in selling, and now they just got a buyer. And so, then have their, their real estate agent help them negotiate it after no, that No, keep the realtor answers. out, go direct, and get rid of NAR. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Fighting for Don't get rid of NAR. But um, no, in many of those cases, they go straight to the seller. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They come up with a price, and they'll they'll do their due diligence. Get, they'll get their appraisal. So that's actually a good case of where you don't need a realtor, and these transactions happen all the time. But this isn't a bad time to – I mean, it's bad time because of the inventory, but most people have jobs. Like, the unemployment rate is pretty low right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. with most people having a job, it's, it's a time of good security. Mm-hmm. Like, people feel like they could be able to buy if they could afford it. Agreed. You're planning on living in your house for quite a while, right? You're not you're, – yeah. you didn't buy it for five years. Nope. So, so that my take on it is, look, you're, you're gonna, the market's going to go up, it's going to go down, it's going to go up, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep doing that. You're going to live there for 30 years. So just you're, you're here for the 30 long. years. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so so that, that's my take on it as well. Is also, it is our forever home. You're going to be here forever. So mm-hmm. you're going to be able to weather those storms, whatever happens, up, down. You're, gonna, you're, you're locked in. You have a 30-year rate. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changing. Your monthly payment, other than taxes, your monthly payment doesn't change. So you're, you're locked in. You're going to live there. This is your forever home. You're going to live in this house for... Forever, hopefully, hundreds and hundreds of years. <laughs> we just said we just said thirty years. Thirty years. Thirty, 30, 30 years. seconds ago, we said thirty years. Hopefully, she's going to be there longer than thirty years. Um, but you're locked in with your payment, right? right. So you're going to weather the storm. It's going to go up. The value is going to go down. Nothing matters until you go to sell it, right? Okay. So over time, the value is going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to go up. Taxes, it's go down. but okay. Taxes are the only thing that's going to change year after year. But your monthly payment's going to stay the same. Other than that, and I guess interest or uh, excuse me, insurance. Ugh, insurance, yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. a nominal amount. That shouldn't really affect your living. Yeah, the flood insurance yeah. is a lot, though. It was a lot. I didn't know you had flood insurance. We did. We got the flood insurance because of the pond. 
Ah, just in you case. You thought you were going to use it last weekend, right? Well, yeah, when I saw the water <laughs> rising. You're like, you're like, we got flood insurance. <laughs> yeah, we're like, good. <laughs> Did you ever find your kayaks, by the way? No, they didn't float away. Okay. They didn't float, but she they had, were in the water. She had her canoes and her kayaks like at the edge. Yeah. Oh, they and didn't I thought float they, away. No, they didn't. Okay. They weren't tied off. For sale. <laughs> there you go. So what if? What about the seller side of that? Weather. He talked about the buyer side of that. It's a great time to sell it. Is it yeah. a great time there's, to sell? There's nothing on the market. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But once again, it goes back to the the other question of what do you do? You know, I'm locked in at 2.75 percent. So do I keep that? Do, mm. you know, do I need to use all the money that I have in there? I have a lot of equity in my house. Or can I hold on to that and use some other money and hold on to that and rent it out? I don't like renting single family homes. I'd rather sell Same. it and buy multifamily property. So I would sell. I would too. Yeah. And I did sell. I moved into a new house two years ago. Mm-hmm. A year and a half ago, and I had that same deliberation. Do I keep the house that I've had for 14 years and rent it? Because I was in a great market. I could have really done a nice rental mm-hmm. price there. But I, I didn't want to deal with it. It, was, it wasn't worth it to me. Yeah, I think in New Jersey, it almost never makes sense to rent out your single-family home as a primary home. Almost never. The math never works out. I tried really hard to get David's house, to get him to rent yeah. it out. And it just didn't, no, no matter how yeah. I did my funny girl math, it just wouldn't mm-hmm. work out. Plus, so when you sell your primary was. residence, it's tax-free gains. Yeah, mm-hmm. You won't get that off investment properties. So why why rent something for a few hundred dollars a month when you can get a lump sum? A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I would never do it. I have one rental property that is a single-family home, but it was a... It's my grandfather's house, so it was a house that he built, and I'm was not going to sell it. But I'm that's not going to live there, that's so a different it was story. yeah, it was unique. But other than that, I would never do it. So we have one question, one question from a viewer, and Mary, who's here in Hackensack. Uh, hi, Mary. Hi, Mary. Uh, she says, "I'm getting married this spring." Congratulations! We're, yay, marriage. Um, we're currently renting. And it's been a dream of us to own our own home. Is this a time to look and get our own home? Should they do it? They're getting married. There's already the expense of the wedding, but they're getting married. They want to buy. Should they buy? If you can get your parents or your in-laws to pay for the house, absolutely. Ah. (laughs) If you're both high-income earners, then yes. Or, you know, if you're going to make some money off the wedding. I mean, not make money off the wedding, but the gifts. It's okay to make money off the wedding. I mean, yeah, I mean, but you don't want to put it that way. It's gifts. It sounds good. Start your life. Right. Yes, you're right. But if you're going to get money from the wedding, if you make yeah. money off the wedding, donate it. Don't use it to buy your house. <laughs> no, the, use the it to buy your is, house. Can you afford to buy a house? Yeah, right. That's it. Can you like you you can kind of look at what homes are selling for right mm-hmm. now. Take that the interest rate, taxes, and can you afford that monthly payment? Because once again, back to you're they're going to most likely live there and raise a family there. This is hopefully mm-hmm. a forever home. You're going to live there for a long time. Gonna, yeah, but that's their first home, you know. Nobody, they're probably I mean, not going to live there for a long years. time. Yeah, well, but so. ten years is ten years. It's not you nothing. Know what we say date, date, marry the house, date the rate. So mm-hmm. the rates you are going to come refinance. down. You can always refinance. It's a question of if they can find a home, and mm. then and then it's more about the cash flow. What are they making? And the home that they can find does it make sense in their cash flow? Whether yeah. or not they can afford it, like you said before, not to overextend themselves. So there are a lot of variables, but what I'm hearing is if they can afford it. Then go ahead, do it. And love it. You have to love the home. Don't wait for the right time because the right time is arbitrary, like in so, the market, right? Yeah, and remember, we talked about um, in, other, in other scenarios, what is an asset, right? Everybody mm-hmm. thinks their home is an asset and it's really a liability. And if, if they want to buy an investment property, go buy the investment property. A house is not necessarily an asset. 
Right. And it's about where you want to live. And if you just get married, you may not know where you want to live yet. So it's okay to rent for a while yeah. until you figure it out. So an asset is something that makes you money. A yes. liability is something that sucks money from right. your body and your soul. Mm-hmm. And, and your especially, house sucks money Especially from today you. with, with the, the house prices so high. Mm-hmm. Right, and and we're we're not sure when Omar and Adam think the crash is coming, but <laughs> I we, think we, we have time. We have time, but we all know that the the prices are probably going to drop at some point. They have right. to, and you know maybe you wait it out, like Omar said, you wait a couple of years and then you buy it. Yeah, I say, Mary, if you want to buy and you can afford it, go buy a house. Go get your house. If you're going to live there for ten years, mm-hmm. the chances are going to be fine. Yeah. If you're going to buy the house and live there for two years, then there's more. Unless concern. it's a value add. Right, unless it's, it's a value add, add which a, is a fixer upper or fixer something up, like right. that. Or if it's an investment property that's cash flowing, that's, yeah. di- that's a different story. Yes. Like if you're buying but that's a what I would do. I, I, looking back, like I bought my house, like I said, eight years, a little over eight years ago. Looking back, the only thing I would have done different is I would have bought a multifamily. Yes. That's my first one. Use an FHA loan. Use an FHA loan, 3.5%, buy the house, live there for a year or two, move out, get a single family. Now I have an income property. Oh, Mary. I think, Mary, you should do this. You should do this, Mary. So what should Mary do? She should do that. (laughs) She should buy a multifamily home. She she can live upstairs with the new hubby. Just deal with it for a year. Rent out the bottom and deal with it for a year. That's it. And and then who knows what the market, maybe the market will... uh, do what Omar's thinking. Maybe you'll have a better time buying another single-family house. Right. Not that soon, but sure. <laughs> but so do you think she should buy a, a two-family? Yeah, I think every person starting out, their best way to build wealth and build an asset is to get a multifamily, yeah. not a single-family. Unless you could right. comfortably afford it, you're high-income earners, mm-hmm. and that's not the right... I mean, the right thing to do would be But to now they're going to be a dual-income dual household, so they buy the multifamily, they stick it out for a year, and then they have sky's the limits afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then if you're each making a million dollars and you're making two million a year, then it doesn't matter what you do. So Correct. go have fun. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have gone through a lot today. We deciphered that there will not be a crash. Is that what I'm in hearing? In the next year. Yeah. That's what in Omar, the next year. Omar doesn't feel that way. Not in 2024. But not there in, will yeah. be a correction. There will be a correction in 2025. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You can't get not, not next year. I can't commit. Commit. Commit they, so hey, I can come back to artif- it. There's a lot of artificial things happening today that's keeping the So all we know from this from discussion crashing. is there's not going to be a crash in 2023. Yeah. Four. Four. No. We know in 2024. Sorry, we know that Mary should buy a three or two family home. Yeah. Or a four family. Right. If she can <laughs> rock it yeah. out, Mary. Or four family. Anything and that FHA allows you to buy, right. which is up to mm. four family. Okay. That's about there it. All right. Thanks for watching the Real Estate Mix. Hit the like and subscribe button, and leave a comment letting us know what you think is going to happen in 2024. See you next episode.